turn with me to John chapter 3, please. And I'll get there in just a second, but we're talking about two kinds of wisdom. And uh, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And we're hopefully coming to the place where we understand that we need the Holy Spirit to be able to understand God and to know the things that God has for us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we looked at this again. Also, verse 14, it says the natural person, in other words, the person who's not born again, the natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God, for they are folly to him. Have you ever tried to explain your faith to somebody who's unsaved? And or maybe try to explain your decision that you're making based on faith to somebody who doesn't who isn't saved. They think you've lost your mind. They think you're crazy. And you just look at them and grin and say, I am. I'm crazy, crazy for Jesus. Amen. For they are folly to him and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So, you know, just let the Holy Spirit work on them. You know, you can test the fruit, you know, when you go to the store and you buy that fruit, you squeeze it so you can squeeze them every once in a while. If they're not ripe, don't pick it and don't keep trying to force it to be something that it doesn't want to be. And so as we look at first Corinthians chapter two, and we have to understand the world cannot understand the things of God or the ways of God, because God is spiritual and he speaks in a spiritual language. But the awesome thing about God is, is he has equipped us, those of us who are born again, he's equipped us to be able to hear from him. You know, so we don't have to try and figure it out. Just let him speak and then obey him. Okay. And so. In John chapter three, Jesus shared this truth with Nicodemus as Nicodemus came to Jesus trying to figure out Jesus. He, he was trying to figure out how he was doing what he was doing because he, he realized, and he says it, that he realized that nobody can do these things unless God is with them, but we don't understand how God is with you. And so Nicodemus comes, but he's trying to understand the things of God, the things that Jesus is doing according to his own understanding, according to the natural man. Okay? According to his natural mindset, too. You know, he's trying to figure this out. So that's what John chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 1, is all about. John 3, 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And so he's up there and he knows the scriptures and stuff. So he, he's not dumb in this sense at all. Verse 2. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Plain and simple. OK, so Jesus right off the bat when he's talking to Nicodemus about it, he says, look, unless you're born again, unless the spirit of God becomes alive in you, you can't. You can't not only see the kingdom of God, you can't even understand what God is doing. 
Verse 4. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? So again, he's thinking in the natural. Okay? He's, Jesus is speaking a spiritual truth, but he's thinking in the natural. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And we need to understand that. You know, and so Jesus is letting him know, you know, you can't understand the spiritual in a fleshly mindset. You have to be able to understand in a spiritual mindset. And then he says this in verse seven, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. And so I wanted to read this because I want us to understand that this confirms again out of the mouth of Jesus that there's two kinds of wisdom for us. And we as believers are called to operate in both of them, but giving priority to the spiritual wisdom. And I, I said this last week, but I just want to make sure you, you get it. The greater spiritual understanding you have, the greater natural understanding you will have as well. That's just the way it is with God. When you come after Him, then He'll make everything understandable to you. Okay? And when we start seeking after spiritual wisdom, then we cease from striving. We cease from, uh, I don't know if you guys will understand this, but racking our brains, trying to figure things out. You know? Trying to understand we cease from all of that and we come to a place of rest. And that place of rest is where we walk by faith as we trust God to reveal to us what we need. And trust me, God will. And in saying that, that doesn't mean that we stop doing things, but we just do them in cooperation with the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Okay? And... Every day we have a choice what we're going to do, what wisdom we're going to walk in, what direction our life is going to go in. And in order for us to sin, all the enemy has to do is to get us to believe that God doesn't have our best. And once we believe that God doesn't have our best, then the enemy convinces us that we don't truly understand God's word. And then he takes us a step further and he says, and what you think is sin really isn't sin. And so then we start looking at things differently. And so our wisdom begins to shift and, and our understanding begins to shift because what we used to think was sin, we don't think is sin anymore because we think we're so wise. And when we lessen the Word of God in our lives, as absolute truth, we are headed for a difficult life, a life filled with sin. If you'll turn with me to Genesis chapter 4. We saw this last week with Cain.
we just kind of touched on this last week, but we're going to dive a little bit deeper this week. And thank God there's no canes in here. Right? In Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, it says this. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. In other words, he didn't accept it. He rejected Cain's offering. And then it says in verse 5, So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. And I just want to remind you, it is easy for us to become angry with God. I know we try and deny it. We don't want to admit it. But that's really where it's at. We, it is easy for us to become angry with God. And I'm going to tell you something else. The enemy will always try to convince you it's okay to be angry with God. Mm. Verse 6. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why is your face fallen? If you do well, you will not be accepted. Or, wait a minute, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. I shared last week how God gave Cain an opportunity to repent. He gave him a do-over. He was saying to Cain in this statement, he, he's if you do well, won't it be accepted? He's given him a way out. He's given him the ability to present the right offering. But Cain refuses to do it. Now, I just want to propose to you that the enemy was already working on Cain and Abel at this time. Cain didn't just come up with this on his own. Okay? Cain and Abel both were taught by who we don't know, whether it be their parents or by God, but they both knew what offering they were supposed to bring before the Lord. But Cain got talked out of bringing the right offering. And Cain became casual in his offering to the Lord because he had no regard for God and his word. And so in his offering... Not only did he become casual, but he became flippant. It, Cain didn't give to the Lord purposefully. In regard to what Cain knew God required. And because Cain had no regard for God and his word, God had no regard for Cain's offering. And so I want us to understand that through this, we have to understand and learn that God is always after our hearts. He's always wanting our hearts to be right with him. And so it's important that we take inventory of our hearts. He gave Cain an opportunity to put his 
actions on pause and to look at his heart and to change his ways. And so, it is very apparent here that God recognized Cain's attitude, his heart, in regard to God through his offering that he gave to God. And I don't want to get in trouble today, but let's go. Because this is a good time to remind us. To remind ourselves that it's important that we understand that God doesn't have to receive your offering just because you bring it. If you're going to be like Cain and you're just going to give and you're all ho-hum, you give whatever you want to give. And, you know, if you, if you have regard for God like that, he doesn't have to receive your offering and you won't get blessed by it. It is important that we are purposeful in our giving. Now. Since I got saved. My heart is to give. Because I realized how much God has given for me to be saved. And out of gratefulness, if God were to tell me he wants all my money, I would give him all my money. Okay. But he doesn't even ask for all my money. And so it's important that we understand, search out the scriptures and find out what God wants you to give. And be faithful to it. If look, if you're going to nickel and dime God. What do you think you're going to get from him? You won't even get nickels and dimes. So let me read 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so... He's after our heart and giving our offering to the Lord is a is a re revelation of our heart towards God. One of the things we say in our house is we can't outgive God. We're trying, but it hasn't worked yet. I can promise you that. So we should know what we're doing when we give. When our children were younger and we would write our tithe check out or our giving we would gather the kids around and we would talk to them about what we were doing and why we were doing it. And we were talking about the gratefulness that we have towards God. And this is what we're doing because we want to allow our hearts to reflect our gratitude towards Him. And so we gave and we taught them to give. And whenever they received money, like for their birthday or for their teeth, you know, or for Christmas, they received a lot of money for their teeth, man. Whew. They must have had some special teeth. Right, honey? <laughs> she said, I never received that much. I said, well, these are precious teeth. Or anything else that they had, we helped them to give on that portion. We taught them that because we wanted them to know what we were doing and to 
Honor God with that. We wanted them to give on purpose like we were and to be excited about what God has done for them. And they are acknowledging that in their giving. And when we as believers through Christ, when we look at what God has done for us. In giving us Jesus Christ, how can we give him just a token? I, we have to figure out what we're doing. And I want to remind you that God gave Cain a way out, a time of repentance. In verse 7, when he said, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. And we have to be the same way. Cain had two voices speaking to him. And Cain had to decide which one he was going to obey. And whether you're giving, whether it's financially or whether it's in your effort, whatever it is, whether it's at work, whatever it is, you need to make sure that your heart is right and you're giving according to what God's word says. To follow God takes faith. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit to trust God and the wisdom from heaven. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. If it was easy to give the portion that God wants, everybody would be doing it. But I'm telling you, no matter what you do in your life, you need the power of the Holy Spirit to help you. And when we're born again, we have the ability, God has equipped us to be able to hear from God. Because being born again means that our spirit is made alive unto God. And now we have spiritual ears to hear. We have spiritual eyes to see things. We have spiritual words to be able to speak. And so we need to take advantage of that. We have to keep hearing God's voice. We need to keep hearing his word so that we can remind ourselves of his word so we know how to respond to the choices in our lives. Now, Cain offered God an offering that Cain knew was not appropriate. Okay, He knew it. And when God rejected it, Cain became angry with and at God. And the word angry is not like he got angry. I mean, he became belligerent. He was angry, angry. He was heartfelt angry. He was extremely angry. And we're going to see that in just a few minutes. It, it wasn't like he just got over it. He could have, but he didn't. And so... I mentioned how the enemy had to be talking to him before. And so I want to go through maybe some of the words, some of the lines that the enemy gave to Cain. He probably started off by telling him that life isn't fair. And, you know, here you are, you have to work the field. Your brother has to work the, the cattle, you know. How come you get stuck with the field and he gets stuck with the cattle? Life just isn't fair. 
And I, I keep saying this, but I want to make sure that I say it because we have to get it. Sometimes it takes a long time for us to get it. Life is not fair. It is not fair. But God is just. Okay? If you're going to look and beat your brain looking for fairness, you're going to have a bloody head. Because life is not fair. But God is just. So he starts talking to Cain and he starts telling him these lies. I'm certain that the enemy came to Cain and said, you know, your parents, they like Abel better than they like you. And you know what? I think God likes Abel better than he likes you too. You know, Abel, he really thinks he has it all together. I mean, look at his flock. They're flourishing. And, well, your field is doing good, but how good is it really doing? There is no good the enemy has in mind for our lives. There is no good. When he comes and he starts lying to us, it's not for your good. It's for your detriment. It's for your evil. In John 10.10, 10, and I'm, I'm sure that we're familiar with this, but we need to read it. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. When the enemy tells us it's going to be okay, you can handle this, he's lying. He's lying. You can't handle it. It's not good for you. The enemy is relentless to try to steal, kill, and destroy any way he can in our lives. We saw this in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve and how the enemy lied to them. I believe that he's speaking lies to Cain and Abel because that's what he does. Jesus said that when he opens his mouth, he speaks his native language, which is lies. And so he's constantly lying to us. I believe he lied to Cain and Abel, but Abel didn't bite on it. Cain did. And the enemy speaks to us in the same way. And let me just remind you of James chapter 3. We read this last week, verses 13 to 15. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. And I, I just want to pause there for a moment. Just think about this for a moment. If you're wise, let it be seen in your good conduct. Okay, look at the conduct of Cain and look at the conduct of Abel. Isn't that exactly what James is saying? Abel used the wisdom of God and he brings an offering to the Lord that's acceptable. It's peaceable. Okay? Cain doesn't do that. Verse 14, But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast. And be false to the truth. 
This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. And you can translate that bitter jealousy into bitter envy. And how many times does the enemy try to pit us against one another? Trying to get us to say, well, you know, God's blessing them, but he's not blessing you. You know, that just goes to show you God likes them more than he likes you. And, and we fall for it. You know, and, and he's just planting seeds for us to become jealous and to become envious and then to take matters into our own hands. That's what selfish ambition is. Okay, God, I can't trust you, so I'm going to take care of it myself. Adam and Eve did that, and it's still working. And so let's go back to Cain and Abel and both of them knew what kind of offering they were to bring before the Lord. They were both tempted not to give their best. What they knew God required. I'm sure that the enemy was lying to both of them, to Cain and Abel, and he said, you know, the Lord doesn't need your offering. He owns everything anyways. Everything belongs to him. Just give God something, anything, and that will be good enough. I'm sure he said to them along the way, it's the thought that counts. You know, you have this great thought that God will receive your offering, even though it's not the right one. But it's the thought that counts. Don't worry about it. But Abel didn't bite on that. And he gave his best while Cain just gives to God something, anything. And perhaps Cain gave God his leftovers. How many times have we done that? You know, and when we start off trying to do the things of God, you know, we have that J curve. And look, you're not going to do it perfect the first time, but keep at it. Keep going in that direction. You'll, you'll get it eventually. Don't give up, but... Cain had to be listening to all those voices. And again, I, I'm sure that he was told, you know, God doesn't really love you. Your mom and dad don't really love you. I don't even think your brother loves you. You don't have anyone in your corner, fight, in your corner fighting for you. You don't owe them anything. And what we see from Cain's offering, he didn't refute any of that. And instead, he became angry, angry with God and angry at God. And then he progressed worse and became angry with his brother. Think about this for a moment. His brother did nothing to Cain. His brother did no harm to him. But the enemy lied to him about him. I'm sure somewhere down the line, he told him, you know, hey, your brother thinks he's so much better than you. He thinks he's so much smarter than you. You take a second seat to him every time, no matter what it is. God's against you. Your mom and dad are against you. Your brother is against you. He's touting you. You need to do something about that. This is after he presents his offering and the Lord doesn't accept it. He had a way out, but he 
continued to think on those thoughts. He continued to rehearse them and meditate on those lies from the enemy. Until it became bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in his heart. And the rest is history. And so in looking at this, we have to check our hearts. We have to check our motives and make sure that we are right with God. If you're angry with God, repent, change your way. If you don't understand why you're angry with God, just stop and repent and ask God to help you. It's amazing to me, 32 years in the ministry, how many people I have seen and dealt with who are really angry with God and they don't even know it. They're miserable. And they keep trying to do things to fix things, to offer God enough. And it's not what He asks of. What He asks of is for you to stop and be loved by Him, regardless of what anybody else says about you. If everybody else has rejected you, it doesn't matter. God loves you. And He has proven that through Jesus Christ in the cross. And if you're going to continue to believe the lies and continue to try and prove that you're worth somebody to love, forget it. You're going to lose your mind. You're going to drive yourself batty. And you're going to cause everybody around you to lose their minds as well. And you see, even as believers and And James is writing to believers, so he knows the ability for us to have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in our hearts. And again, I want you to know your selfish ambitions come because you you can't trust God. You think he's against you. It goes like this in our minds. You know, we just think that God isn't for us and we think to ourselves, Well, if I was born in this family, or if I was born at this time, or if I was born on this planet, or if I was born on, you know, whatever. Give it a break. God has placed you right here, right now, this time. He has a plan and a purpose for your life now. He didn't have it back then. He's not going to have it in the future. It's right now for us. Make the best of it. And stop complaining to God about who you are and who you aren't and what you have and what you don't have. Quit it. Get rid of the bitter jealousy, the envy. Quit looking at everybody else and saying, oh God, I wish I was like them. You know, if I had their education, if I had their job, you know, God, I'd be a lot better off. No, not if your attitude isn't right. If I would have had their opportunity, God, I would have done something different. Well, probably not. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 12. We're closing. And once you find Hebrews chapter 12, hold your finger there and go to 1 John chapter 3. It's amazing how 
the enemy has convinced us that we can offer to God whatever we want and he has to accept it. I mean, as believers, we think that. We think that he ought to applaud us and, and we as your pastors ought to applaud you when you come to church. Well, big whoop de doo if you come to church. You ought to do it anyways because you belong to the body of Christ and he tells us to come. You don't need an applause. You don't need to have somebody celebrating you because you came. Just come. Be faithful to God's word. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. Hebrews 12, 15. See to it. That no one fails to obtain the grace of God. That no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. And by it, many become defiled. I think this writer knew about Cain and Abel. You see, in our minds, we just think that the bitterness is okay if we just hold on to it. But we don't understand that it doesn't just hurt us, but it hurts those around us. When we have bitterness and bitter envy. And by it, many become defiled. So you can think, okay, well, you're just going to have your pity party and nobody else is invited. Well, guess what? Your pity party is going to overflow into everybody else's life that you're around. You ever had that person at work that you don't want to be around because they're having a pity party and you're tired of their pity party? But you understand that it affects you because they don't do the work that they're supposed to do properly because they're having a pity party for themselves? Get over it. Let it go. We have to guard our hearts, examine our hearts, and see if we're letting go of whatever may cause us to be bitter, whatever may cause us to be angry with God. You know, when, when traumatic things happen to us, let it go. And I'm not saying that it's easy, but that's what we have to do is we have to let it go. In 1 John chapter 3, I hope this is a word of encouragement to you. I hope so. It doesn't sound like it at first, I will admit that. But if you understand what he's saying, it's a total word of comfort for us. 1 John chapter 3, verse 11. And no, make sure you don't get ahead of me. First John 3.11 For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Simple. Isn't it? If you're still breathing down here and you're wondering, well, what's my purpose in life? Here's your purpose. If you're born again, here's your purpose. Love one another. It's not hard, is it? 
just look at the person sitting next to you and smile and say, I love you. Even if you don't, just say it anyways. Say it by faith if you have to. If it's your spouse, come see me afterwards. That you have to say it by faith. Huh? I, this is what we're called to. Here's the word of encouragement. Verse 12. We should not be like Cain. Who was the evil one and murdered his brother. Feel encouraged? So now we have an example of what not to of how not to live. What not to be like. Don't be like Cain, who was the evil one and who murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. This is the bitter envy, the bitter jealousy that James is writing about, that we see in the life of Cain. And how it destroyed his life. It destroyed his brother's life. Because he had this bitterness grow up in him. He didn't deal with it. God gave him a way out and he didn't take it. God gives us a way out. He gives us the ability to do over by repentance, by forgiveness. You know, yes, life is unfair. But God is just. And he's telling us that we have to guard our hearts. John is the, the disciple of love. I mean, that's what he's known for. And so that's why he's writing this. Our one thing is to love one another. And then he tells us, don't love like Cain did, because Cain didn't love. He was evil. And why was he evil? Because he allowed that bitterness to grow up in him towards his brother but really towards God. He was angry because God didn't receive his offering. Now, this is how dumb we get when we listen to the Holy Spirit. He knew that his offering before the Lord wasn't right. And he did it anyways. And then he gets mad at God because he doesn't accept it when he knew what he was doing was wrong. And we do the same thing, don't we? We go out and we make a mess of our life and then we say, God, why did you let me do that? And he says, because you had a choice. You had to decide which wisdom are you going to follow. Let me read verse 11 again and 12. 1 John 3, 11. For this is a message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Verse 13. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. 
His whole point was, look, this is what we're called to do. But don't be surprised if the world hates you. Why? Because they can't understand you. When you decide that you're going to walk in righteousness, when you decide that you're going to walk with God and obey Him and exercise your faith, the world is going to think you've lost your mind. They don't understand it. They're going to try and figure it out. Your family will think that you've lost your mind. And you just tell them you haven't. Agree with them. Stand with me. Here's the bottom line of the message. Don't be swayed by the wisdom of this world. Don't give in to it. If the world doesn't think you're worth it, fine. Who really cares? All you have to do is remind yourself of what your Heavenly Father thinks of you and how precious He thinks you are. And if you say, well, I don't feel it, then go find a cross and act like you're touching His hands where His holes are, where He was pierced, and say, God, I thank You for the love that You have for me. I thank You for the forgiveness that You've given to me. And I choose to extend that forgiveness to others. Let's pray. Father, we do thank You for this day and the love that You have for us. Thank You for this time together. And again, Father, we lift up the nation of Israel. We thank You that they're in the palm of Your hand, that You watch over them, and You're doing that even now, Father. Give them everything that they have need of to be victorious. Give them Your protection, Father. And Lord, I pray that You would begin to speak to our hearts. That we would rest in the love that You have for us. That we would know Your Word, listen to Your Word, obey Your Word, get consumed by Your Word. And when the enemy comes and he starts lying to us, may we not believe it. Because he has no good for our life in store when he comes and he lies to us. But Father, all You have is good for us. And Father, we want to partake of that wisdom. Help us to do that. Awaken the Holy Spirit in us. Speak to us, Father. That we would trust You. And we ask this in Jesus' mighty name. And Father, we thank You for this time of fellowship that we're going to have. Thank You for all the food that has been provided. And we ask You to bless it for our bodies. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.